64 Tacos Podcasts presents. Is this song good? This is episode 72. YouTube, the fly, songs of surrender. Hello, welcome back to the uh, I Caught It On Audio podcast. Uh, we're doing the Is This Song Good series uh, where we discuss songs and whether they're good or not. And uh, this this episode, we're, um, we're doing the last of this little mini three-part series with U2 songs from the new album that came out called Songs of Surrender, which were reimaginings of old favorites. And uh, this week is my pick, The Fly, from the album Octung Baby, uh, which came out in 92, right? 91. 91. Yep. Yep, 91. Those early 90s are all a blur to me because I was f- fairly young. Um, you were so small. <laughs> drug, drug. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what people usually say, but um, not me. Um, okay. Uh, I was, I was, <laughs> old Zach. I was 10. So, uh, yeah. In the basement that of is, the condo. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> the fly. Uh, so <laughs> what struck me about this one was um, – how kind of different and uh, I don't know, maybe funky. Um, it really kind of took on a, a, a stranger type of uh, tone than than what I what I was used to on this song. And and it really of of all the songs, I think this one kind of stuck out the most to me. Um, what uh, I liked about it was how it kind of. It changed it up and it lost some of the iconic stuff from the fly. I mean, that was one of my favorite songs from, from Octung baby and it definitely lost that. But, um, I liked how the, the, the drum and the bass kind of, uh, uh, was a different, a different sort of style. And, um, it, uh, I can't remember if the, if the tempo changed that much, but, um, it's slower. It's, I yeah, I think it was a little bit slower. Um, but uh, uh yeah it was uh, it just it, it just was more interesting to me than that some of these other ones that w- went the sort of safe route of of just uh of just doing the vocals and the and the piano and and that's i think that's really kind of what i was looking for in this album that didn't really work for me was that they went really way too safe on most of these and um you know, even with with his little like uh, it's no secret at all line, um, which you know it, it, it probably is like the most memorable uh, of the of the song uh, because you know it it the way he does the vocal melody is uh, you know kind of out there um, different uh, strange, um, but uh, it it also kind of rubs me the wrong way because he does it too many times, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. If it was just like once or twice it's okay but it's like almost every Three times a lady no thank yeah. you um so yeah what did you guys think dan what did you think of this one uh, i 100% agree that there here's a great example we were talking about i was i've been talking about decision making by bono a bunch and in all three of these songs you can find times where i'm like why did you sing it like that like when he sings love and if god will send send his angels i'm like why are you singing it like that 
that sounds worse than it needs to. Um, in uh, Far Away So Close, I didn't love the way the chorus was sung. And in uh, in this one, what you mentioned is, is exactly right. You're like, are you just trying to be different? And that's fine. But like, this is worse, you know, Yeah. Uh, from, from, from my ear. Overall, this version was one of my more preferred versions. It was probably one of the, the top two or three um, versions. I, I did think that it, first of all, I had drums, which is kind of nice. Um, not yeah. a lot of drums on, on this, uh, on these 40 songs. But, yeah, which um, is a shame because the rhythm section is yeah just so important to you too. But what I what I read this the Wikipedia entry, I think Edge said that uh, Larry Mullen, the drummer, wasn't too interested in you know playing a full kit or doing it. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe he thought this was not the most productive idea in the world, and yeah. just didn't want to spend time on it. Which can't kind of agree with him. Um, yeah. yeah, I I wish they almost would have just made these all acoustic just like edge play this on play this with an acoustic guitar bono sing it really simple and and sort of on like sort of like the the johnny cash recordings american recordings but that's not what they did they they made it just interesting enough to make the songs uh, worse i think um this one was pretty good i I did like the sort of it was a little funkier a little more slowed down i of course this is one of my favorite guitar songs and guitar solos um by by the edge um, in all of, all of their work, and you miss that sort of sort of uh, over the top buzzsaw guitar and the great long solo and all the super high falsetto that Bono does in the recording. Just this is a great great song off Octung Baby. It's sort of maybe the most Octung Baby song, you know. Yeah, um, it's cut it out. Inspiration for like the, uh, the the fly character that he that he did on the whole Zoo TV tour. Um, this was a cool version. Again, I just really would rather listen to the original, but this was one of the better versions. Um, yeah, I would say the only other song on this whole list that I thought maybe was 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 as strong was uh, the um, Red Hill Mining Town, the one with the horns, because it was different and they made it sound yeah not like every other song on the album. But uh, I, I liked this one relative to the other ones. But again, I'd rather just toss on Octoon Baby when it comes right down to it. What do you got, Dave? So. Um, I probably listened to these songs each two dozen, three dozen times you know, in preparation for, for these podcasts. And, um, I have no recollection of the songs of surrender version of the fly. That's <laughs> how meaningless it was. Like I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to think of, you know, think of the song and all I can, ha- I'll, I'll going through my head is the Actoon baby version because it's so good. It's one of the best songs off of a flawless album, which is one of the best albums of all time. And I, I just, I can't for the life of me, put my finger on anything that like I, all the things you guys just said, I remember all those things, but it, I, I can't come up with anything new. Um, well, it's just, the, I, I know what you're saying. One of the ways that this version stood out is that it didn't do anything particularly strange. It right. played it fairly fair. It, it, it stuck out less because it was, it was fairly good, you know, for yeah. the most part. And it's just, it's just an example of how uninteresting this whole songs of surrender album is it's just so blah and so boring and i like i found myself yawning while it was on (laughs) while i was driving down the road 
Yeah. And I wish I, I love the idea of taking, you know, your, their favorite 40 or the, you know, these 40 songs that maybe they think ha- they've put together with a theme of s- surrender or whatever. I love that idea, but what I wish they would have done is instead of going into a studio and heavily producing this acoustic uh, cut back album, I wish they would have say uh, rented out uh, Madison, Madison square gardens for a week and done six shows straight and of, of these 40 songs or whatever, and, you know, do them acoustic and do them live and have them have energy and passion and take out all of the production that I think ultimately is what hindered the, any of this being interesting um, and just give us something to, to look forward to. Cause as these songs, as we, I went through these songs, I was like, ah, this song is not as good as the album version. Yeah. This song is not as good as the album version over and over and over again. Yeah. And then it would have been nice. I, I feel like they're such good live performers that that would have been a better way to approach it. Like they're almost certainly my favorite live show I've ever seen when we so, saw them on the pop mart tour. So, yeah. So I was going to mention that we went to uh, the old silver dome and saw yeah, them on pop mart silver dome you know, back oh. when that existed. Um, and, um, and do you remember how they had a little B stage in the middle of the crowd? And they did my like, favorite concert memory ever i yeah every now and then i'll search for a youtube video and you're talking about the giant lemon with yeah the, uh, the giant with lemon the- um and then and they and they did the, they they started this on um on the uh the, the zoo tv tour the the tour mm-hmm. for um for Octoon baby and and zuropa which was released while they were on tour mm-hmm. um but they, they, they stop in the middle and they do like an acoustic set. Do you remember, do you remember them doing that? So yeah. the song oh, off, off pop staring at the sun was never one of my favorites on the album, but sure. it's a fantastic acoustic version yeah. that they used to do. And I, and I have a single that has an acoustic version on there, the same version, the same arrangement, and it kind of kicks ass and it almost improves the song. You know, it mm-hmm. certainly is a, is a worthy like counterpart, like, Hey, version one, version two, they're, they're in the same ballpark. And that's kind of what you're describing. If they just would have sat down and they, they did a, they did like desire and far away. So close. And, um, and, um, angel of Harlem and just a bunch of songs that worked great on acoustic guitar on both of those tours. Um, and I, I know the, the, uh, zoo TV one, because I have the live recording from Sydney from, uh, from 93. And then we, I was on, uh, I, I went to the, uh, we went to the, uh, the pop Mart tour like in 90, 98 or so. Um, and they did it there too. And it was great. I was like, wow, man, the acoustic versions are really strong. And I, that's what you're describing. And that would have excited me. That's not quite what we got. They managed to like no. to slow it down and, and sort of like suck it back without giving it a different kind of intimate power. Most of the time it, right. it's, it sounds good on paper, but I think we all kind of agree that this is an unsuccessful attempt right zach you feel that way too yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's just disappointing yeah there are so many different ways they could have gone with this um like i would have even been happy with them doing covers of other people's songs in their you know current style and and um you know qualities of of uh playing musicianship and and vocal vocal range and um 
because it just it just feels like it's not adding anything to the the songs they haven't they haven't done anything to make them better or something that people would want to seek out it's just hey let's re-record all these songs and and yeah it was it was the same way i was you know i went through the first like five five or six songs i was like oh it's like this huh and then i you know i kind of scanned forward into the the track list and i was like oh well maybe you know maybe uh, i still haven't found what i'm looking for will be well okay maybe um until the end of the world or uh, maybe with or without you you know and it just it just kept getting like worse and worse and i was like <laughs> yeah. maybe i need to stop listening <laughs> to this <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. So I got a question for you guys. Do you, who do you think this was for? Who does this appeal to? I think, I think it's, I think it's meant meant for, you know, hardcore U2 fans. I think that's, and I think they fell short on delivering that because I can't imagine this is an attempt to get new listeners because I don't think this is, you know, a particularly popular music style right now. Yeah. Not that, not that the style is flawed in any way, but um, it's just, it's not what you hear on, on the radio. And you know, it can't, I, I can't imagine it would be like a financial decision. So one of the things I've noticed happening with a lot of older bands or older musicians is that they've, they've re-recorded a lot of their older hits and, and re-released them. And I, I'm pretty sure the reason behind that is because oftentimes they had like a really bad record deal. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the, the record companies own like, and they, and they take all of the profits from, from all of the listens and all of the, you know, anything that comes from residuals and they give the, the artist like pennies on the dollar. Right. And so when they can re-record the albums or their songs, um, and, and re-release them brand new, they can actually get all of the revenue from that. But I just can't imagine that that would be the situation for, for you too. Like they're just no. rolling in the dough. No, those guys are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They're, they're not hurting. Yeah. There there's, so it's, it's just gotta be them dinking around, ha, ha, having a good time, uh, thinking that this is, you know, more interesting than anything else that they do. Yeah. Well, I'm, this might make sense to them. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that you mentioned diehard U2 fans. Like we're, we all like U2. I was yeah. really, really into U2 when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, and you guys, maybe to a lesser degree, they're just a band that you enjoy. Um, but it was, they were like my favorite band for about four or five years there. Kind of the Octung baby through pop stretch. Yeah. Um, I, they were, they were, they were my favorite band. And, but I also fell off. I wonder if by diehard, you mean people that stuck, stuck with it through Nolana on the horizon, how to build an atomic bomb, you know, uh, songs of the ride or die people. Yeah. yeah. Like the people that, that are like, Oh no, no, no. Uh, uh, uh songs of experience is a, is a misunderstood album. It's actually as strong as their peak, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and those people probably exist. I, I haven't spent enough time to know for sure, but from what I hear, from what I've heard it, I don't think they're on that level. But I think, 
uh, what, what uh, as you're saying this, I think what just kind of like popped in my mind is I think this is for the opposite of us. And what I mean by that is I think they were trying, they're trying to uh, get their, their older songs and some of their older things that uh, maybe are too out there for their current audience hmm. that likes all of this current, you know, the every pr- pretty much everything from, all that you can't leave behind till now yeah. to, to uh, provide for them something that is more mm. in, in tune for them. You know what I mean? I actually, I think that you got something there, like the, the, the beautiful day and vertigo people who jumped on yeah. at that point because they saw you two at the, at the Super Bowl after nine uh, 11. And they were like, Oh, yeah. you know, the, the, it's the sort of the, they became fans at that point, but the other stuff's like, well, it's okay. It's like Aerosmith fans that jumped on board, you know, um, with, uh, with pump, you know, yeah. uh, as compared to people that listen to Aerosmith back when, 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 um, toys came out or, you know, or, or rocks right. or whatever, who were like sort of classic era. And maybe those people are like, yeah, the old stuff's okay. But I really, what I really like is when they added, you know, when Aerosmith added horns and professional <laughs> songwriters to really s- spice up their sound, you know, um, yeah. I think you might be onto something there. Yeah. I, I think it's it's trying to appeal to the the audience that wasn't around in those early days or maybe just didn't really care for the out there type of you know instrumentation or yeah. additions that Brian Eno and some of those earlier producers um gave to them, which to us I think is is highly appealing. I just think it's so crazy to think that someone would hear this and be like, yeah, this version of With or Without You is superior to the Joshua Tree version. Yeah. That yeah. one's okay, but it sounds dated. This one's better. Like, <laughs> it, it, there's just such a clear difference in in like you talk about their experimentation, but I would say like 95% of their experiments come off and aged really, really well. You listen yeah. to Joshua or uh, Joshua Tree sounds like an '80s album, but it sounds like the best sounding '80s album. Uh, but if you released um, like Octoon Baby or Zeropa now, you'd be like, "Oh, that's interesting." It doesn't sound particularly dated, I don't think, yeah. but it does sound. It, I guess compared to the new versions, yep, they sound different. And for me, it's it just reminds me how good they were and how often they got it right. And yeah. how their taste has changed. And maybe it's not better or worse, but maybe maybe it's just completely different from mine, you know, at this point. So I can't get as much out of it. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to add? No, I, I've I've said all that there is to say. I'm I'm, sur- <laughs> I'm surrendering and I'm not gonna listen to this again. <laughs> yeah, I I will legitimately never listen to any of these versions again. Even the best ones were just okay. Yep. There's no song I'd rather not hear the original of. All right. Well, that uh, that is the last of our little three-part Songs of Surrender series. Um, this has been Is This Song Good? A uh, 64 Tacos podcast. Um, wherever you heard this, we've got lots and lots of other episodes, so go and listen to those. And um, if liking or subscribing is a thing that can be done, do those things. And we'll, we should have a new series coming out soon, though I don't think we have anything planned. Yeah, soon-ish. Soon-ish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good one. I caught it on audio. 